Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Greenwood Alan Mulner show. Without Greenwood, well, you have got Greenwood, just haven't got Mulner. I've messed it up. So Sam will not be very happy. But anyway, this is the Greenwood Alan Mulner show without Mulner because he's not very well, bless him. He's got a bit of a chest infection. So I needed someone to talk all things Newcastle United on the horizon of their first cup final since 1999. And who is better? Equipped to talk about all things Newcastle United. Yes, it is. It is the Irish guy, Michael Ramsey. And yeah, just can I just your hat trick appearance? Can, can I can I just say, Johnny? Wouldn't it have been more fitting if it was Sam conducting the interview and not you? Because then it would be like a bit like Man United, where there's no Greenwood. Am I right? Boom! Look at that. Boom. Off the bar. How many genius? And that's for another show potentially. Like, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah, look, we're going to talk all things Newcastle United. The Irish guy loves talking all things Premier League, Carabao Cup, anything football related. He is the man. Before we start all things off, Newcastle United and how mint we are, uh, Ramsey, let's talk about your channel very, very briefly. 150,000 subscribers on the Irish guy. Not bad for someone that just left HITC, wasn't it? <laughs> it's, okay. it's just me chatting shite every day. That's it. That's nothing really more to it than that, Johnny. Just, uh, yeah, but... Cheers for the plug. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, ah, it's good fun. You know yourself, like, YouTube is just, yeah, man. No, it's, it's good. Like, I think I told you, like, last year, I was I was pretty much shitting it when I left HITC because, like, I've been there for five years, and I thought that the boss was going to sue me when I said I was going to go. I, I thought he'd, like, grab onto my ankles and don't let me leave. But um, he was actually waving me out the door, so maybe he was glad to see the back of me. Who knows? <laughs> who knows who knows that's next week's scream in the moment show actually we'll find out <laughs> how that goes but no Ramsey let's let's kick things off what a season it has been for Newcastle United you, you've been talking about Newcastle United glowingly this season on your on your YouTube channel as well and obviously with other stuff that you've been doing as well very recently but let's be honest fourth place right now couple of points off Man United. I think we're four points off Man- Manchester United or five points off Manchester United in, in third in, in, a, in a Carabao Cup final as well. It's just amazing, isn't it? This is so surreal. Like, when the takeover went through, I think we all sort of, you know, had, our, had high hopes for the future, maybe in five years' time, be competing it. Not in the first season. When we've only made about five or six transfers. It's... And uh, you know what's so great about this? It's... It's the fact that we still have some players from the Steve Bruce team. Like we've got, we did, we haven't needed to go out and upgrade every position. We've got Almiron, Jolin, to Longstaff all upping their game. It's brilliant to see. And I love the fact that there's two Geordies in the team as well. Dan Bernashaw and Longstaff. I mean, I remember, I will say though, at the start of the season, everyone, everyone was on 40s back when he said that Matt Target was just another Paul Dummett. All right. And uh, <laughs> he, has not, he has not stopped reminding me that Dan Byrne... I know Target's obviously been injured for a while, but, you know, Dan Byrne, I don't think Target's getting his place back. He's been that good, except maybe in the last minute uh, yesterday. That was that was awful. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it, it, it was awful. But, look, Bournemouth... Let's touch about the Bournemouth game. Bournemouth, I think, probably deserved the win, if I'm being honest. I thought Newcastle had a lot of possession, but... It didn't really create a lot. But Neto's made one, maybe two saves in the whole game. Uh, I, I thought Bournemouth on another day were well, they were half a yard from winning the game with that clearance from Kieran Trippier. Do you think, I think the best way I can put it, this team just doesn't know how to be beaten. I know they've only been beaten once this season, but just it's just it's kind of just in them, engrossed in them, isn't it? That is the most surreal thing about, about it all. If Fabio Carvalho had not scored in the 98th minute for Liverpool, Newcastle would still be on for the Invincibles. 
How <laughs> honestly, how ridiculous is that? Fabian Schar and Sven Botman have to be in the PFA team of the year because they haven't lost a Premier League match. Like they have to be in it. It's it's amazing. And yeah, yesterday was disappointing, but I mean it's it's been a bit of a, a bit of a trend the last month, six weeks or so. The goals have dried up, unfortunately. And whether that's teams sitting back now and and giving Newcastle more respect than they did maybe last in the first half of the season, that, that might be it. Could be a bit of burnout as well. I mean, it's, it's largely been the same same sort of, you know, 12, 13 players um, in the starting 11 for, for all season. So that could be it. But also, I mean, there's no easy games in the Premier League. I mean, we're sitting here now being disappointed to drop points away at Crystal Palace or Bournemouth. But those are tricky places to go. And yeah, I'm thinking... Yeah, um, yeah. Like if we were going to win there, it would only be by the odd goal. Like we're not going to turn up at these places and win three or four nil. That's just that's just not, you know. So yeah, it's disappointing, I suppose, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, like you say, we're in the top four and we're in a, a league, uh, league cup final. It's who who can possibly complain about that? There'll be one or two Newcastle fans who'll definitely complain about that because <laughs> that's just that's just football. But you're, you're quite you're quite right, Ramsey. I think Crystal Palace in particular. Not many, not many teams go to Crystal Palace and win comfortably. If you win, you work, you win. Like Brighton, which took, Brighton only got a point the other day. Manchester United has obviously conceded late on. Um, I think it took Chelsea to the last minute with a wonder strike from Conor Gallagher, you know, to win a, to win against Crystal Palace. There's not many teams that will go to Southhurst Park, for example. Bournemouth maybe slightly different because they are near the bottom of the table. But even, even, the even, Premier League is just so competitive now, Ramsey. Even with Bournemouth, yeah, the the quality in the Premier League is so high that I actually I think every away day is a tough game, and you're doing well to get a win. Like even at the start of the season, Spurs had to come from two 0 down away to Bournemouth to win three two in the last minute, and that's and that's our top four rival who have a a much more expensive luxury squad compared to ours. Like, yeah, it is obviously disappointing we didn't get the win, but I, I mean, there should be no room for panicking here. It's still a point on the road, and like you say, we haven't lost since August in the Premier League. Like. I mean, every game that goes by, even the drop points, it's another game unbeaten. And I just find that so surreal. And just think what that's going to do for the mentality in the dressing room. Another week where they haven't lost in the Premier League. It, it is annoying the asterisks because I know we can't... Sheffield Wednesday did happen. <laughs> so so I have to clarify and say it's the Premier League unbeaten run. But let's be honest, it was the B team against Wednesday. Come on. Yeah, it's a blessing in disguise when I look back at that note now, Ramsey, because we we needed that break between the two Southampton games. I think that did us the world of good, but we I think we are looking quite tired, and that just shows that our squad has been, you know, it's been pulled from pillar to post, and midfield seems to be a big, big talking point at the minute. Bruno suspended until the Man United game, which we'll discuss later on the podcast, but we're still missing him for the Liverpool game. We we haven't won a game without Bruno this season which is remarkable he's missed I think five games due to injury and suspension and we haven't won without him how important is Bruno Gimmeresh to Newcastle United Ramsey and was letting John Joe Shelby go without bringing in a replacement a massive mistake by Newcastle United yeah listen of course Bruno's going to be a massive miss I mean he would be for any team in the Premier League he's that good literally verging on world class and I don't really understand how he didn't get in the Brazil team for the World Cup um he is that good. So obviously it's going to be a huge miss. But I will touch on your Shelby thing in a minute now. But I will just say, remember how long it took Bruno to get into the team a year ago? And we were winning games, getting getting results. And yeah, I know that was with Shelby in the team. So that 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 actually ties in nicely to your to your question. Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one. But I mean, what can you do? He's given us seven years of service and he was offered... How many years did he get from Forrest? It was, was two and a half, yeah. 
two and a half. So, I mean, what are we going to do? Stand in his way? Uh, just just so we can stand in for Bruno for three games? Because uh, when Bruno's back, he'll be back to the bench. And no, I think I think you want to treat your servants well. And he's, he's, he's given us seven years of great, well, you know, good service. So it was a great opportunity for him. And nah, nah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have just, just tied him, tied him down just for three, three games to play. I think that's actually, that would be quite patronizing. I think like, like this, this is a, I think was it Sibierski who left us and he left us for a two or three year deal. I remember him sort of saying, I was only young back then, but I think he was sort of saying, you know, footballers need stability. They need years on, on the contract and that's what Shelby and his family need. So that wasn't the case of that. What you could say was that maybe we should have brought in another central midfielder in January, gone into the market, maybe. But what would you? Well, yeah, what would you think about that in terms of another CM? We needed one. We needed one, in my opinion, without John Joe Shelby going. But if you get if you're letting John Joe Shelby go, you have to bring in a new central midfielder. I'm, I think there was an argument that you just use some of your budget from the summer to bring in a central midfielder now. But maybe the deal wasn't right. I think Conor Gallagher was the closest one from Chelsea. I think there was rumoured that Chelsea wanted around about £55 million, which Newcastle weren't willing to pay. Newcastle wanted to pay £40 million to Conor Gallagher from people in, in, in the kind of, not in the know, but like the, I'm talking about more journalists, like real journalists. Like, but that's what they were indicating, that it was Conor Gallagher was probably the most likely. Ruben Loftus-Cheek was mentioned as well. However... I can understand why Newcastle have let John Joe Shelby go because they have got a little bit of money from in the sense that he's got six months left on his contract. But I don't think they anticipated Joe Wood getting injured against Bournemouth. I don't think they anticipated Bruno getting suspended because obviously it was literally within five minutes after full time, John Joe Shelby was announced officially that he was leaving, even though he'd already left. So it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating one. It really, really is. It just shows the importance of Joe Linton, Ramsey, and the fact that he can play in a couple of different positions. Is Joe Linton's strongest position in the centre of midfield, as in the three midfielders, or is he strong on the left-hand side? And where do you get the best out of him? Yeah, no, in the midfield three for sure. That that's his position. I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember when 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 we when Eddie Howe first put him in there, and it was Man United at home, and he just absolutely bossed their midfield, and I couldn't believe it. Honestly, I was witnessing it with my own eyes. Like we had all been conditioned to just think that Joe Linton was a centre forward flop. Another one. Uh, you know, an expensive Hazalu, another Cisco. Like we'd all we'd all written them off. So to see this rebirth as a you know as a as a beastly um, yeah number eight, if you like, in the field, it's incredible. I, I wouldn't. I don't think on the left in the in the fourth. I I don't know. I mean, I know I know Steve Bruce used to bang on about that. How he used to play there for for Hoffenheim, wasn't it before he came? But no, honestly, he's. I think I think he's a bit wasted there. Um, and yeah, in the field, that's his. That's his strongest strongest position. Yeah, yeah. I whenever I whenever I would I would see Joe Linton on the left and and maybe Maxi on the bench. Uh, you know. But then again, I'm a I'm a huge I'm a huge Sam Maxman lover. I, you're not Johnny. I know you're not. I know you're not. All right. I can tell already by your face. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I do I do rate Sam Maxman. I do. I think he's just frustrating at times. I, I really, really do. I think he, uh, he can, he can look at that game against Manchester City. Not many players can play that well against that Manchester City team who were literally going, oh, we'll beat Bournemouth by X and that. We'll beat such and such by X and that. You know, they were beating everybody quite comfortably, but that asterisk was Manchester City versus Newcastle and St. James's Park, where it was an unbelievable game. 
you know, if you're if you're neutral, that you wouldn't have been disappointed watching that game at the big, at the end of August. Um, I think he's not an Eddie Howe player. Uh, from watching this this last twelve months, I don't think Eddie Howe. I think if he, privately, I think Eddie Howe, if he gets a bit of for around fifty million pounds around St. Maxwell, I think he takes it and I think he can reinvest it. Uh, I think I think the problem is Ramsey. Even though you you are a massive Alan St. Maxwell lover. How many goals this season? How many assists this season? How many games where you go, Anson Maxwell was amazing? There's not been many this season. I know he's had an injury, but... Do you not think... His stat, stats don't determine how... His stats doesn't show me that he's an, an unbelievable player, if you like. Do you not think, though, there is enough talent in there? He's, he's literally... Honestly, I think he's the best one-on-one dribbler in the Premier League. Maybe that's biased, but I, I honestly believe, like you said, against Man City, incredible. Do you not think... Eddie Howe can coach him to be an Eddie Howe player. I mean, you know, you're you're on about you know the stats and stuff. At the start of the season, you used Miggy Almiron as a brush to beat me with, <laughs> saying, uh, <laughs> "Where's the end product, Revs? Yeah, but I was the same with Miggy and and Eddie Howe. You know, got his claws into him, and now he scored ten Premier League goals. I don't know. I wouldn't give up on some Maxman so quickly. I mean, yeah, the the flair, you know, free roll under Bruce. Yeah, you can't do that in an Eddie Howe team, but. Who's to say he can't, you know, be the... I mean, for God's sake, Eddie Howe was getting Ryan Fraser to score double digits in the Premier League on a Bournemouth. I mean, come on. Eddie Howe, honestly, don't write off Maxi. Honestly. He's too good. Too good yeah, for I, I won't. I won't. I won't write him off. No, my lucky probably scored the winner against Man United at Wembley, and I'll be going, he's the best thing. He's the best player we've ever had in the black and white chair. Like, honestly, that's how I'll probably see it. But, uh, yeah. it, look, it is, it is interesting. Um, before we talk about the Cup game, I want to talk about the top four race because... Newcastle are basically drawing every single game, but still look pretty comfortable on the top four, which is absolutely remarkable because Chelsea can't buy a win. Liverpool, God knows what's happened to Liverpool, but I would always keep an eye on the on the pair of them just historically because they maybe could predict it can get a bit of a run. Liverpool in particular because they've got that in their locker, but at the minute it's Tottenham and Brighton. Let's be honest, you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm quite concerned more about Brighton than I am Tottenham at this moment in time. But nah. what do you see? How do you see it? It's a, Newcastle's it, biggest rivals for the top four. I think it's. I think you're right to say there's three teams, but not Brighton. Come on, Johnny, it's not Brighton. Ramsey, uh, Ramsey, hear me out with the Brighton argument, right? Okay. How many teams this season have worked out how to beat Brighton comfortably? Every game they play, every game they play, they don't lose, or they don't lose very often. Like I can't remember the last time Brighton lost a game. They always seem to pick up something. Like they always yeah. in control, they always in good control of the game. They have a lot of possession, a lot of chances. And if they had, let's say, an Erling Haaland, because obviously they can't afford that. But everyone has been saying for a long time, if Brighton had a goal scorer, or Brighton had someone that could get 20 goals in a season, they would be in this this sort of position. I'm not saying Brighton are going to finish fourth in the Premier League, but they're in the argument right now. Right now in February, I guess mathematically, yeah. But I don't know. Their, Their squad isn't strong enough to withstand a full season to get into the top four, I don't think. It reminds me... I was gonna no actually I was gonna say the Newcastle team under Alan Pardew that just fell short, but even that was I think had more quality in it than than what Brighton have. Listen, they're well coached, but I mean, no, they'll fall away. No, listen, the three teams it'll be us, Tottenham, and uh, don't write off Liverpool. Honestly, really don't. I looked at the table earlier today. I think if they win the two games in hand, they're only six points behind top four, and this is Liverpool. That's two wins. The, Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp can go on a 10, 12 game winning streak. I really wouldn't write them off. I actually did stupidly write them off 
two years ago, remember during lockdown when they when they couldn't score at home, they lost six in a row at Anfield. They conceded seven at Villa Park, but then they put a run together when they got their players back fit and they finished third. So I think Liverpool and Tottenham are our biggest challengers. Honestly, I'm I'm quite worried about Liverpool to be honest. I know they're in an awful run of form, but it's a long way. There's a long way the season to go, and I've, I mean, if I told you, Johnny, that Liverpool will pick up more points than us over the next few months, I don't think that's I don't think that's crazily outlandish. I mean, they got ninety odd points last season, didn't they? They they yeah, lost 90, 90, 92, 92 points. That you got ninety three. Exactly. So now don't write them off. Don't write them off. I think that I think it ties in nicely actually because Liverpool is the next game on Saturday evening and this Liverpool team we're, we're recording this before Liverpool take on Everton in the Merseyside derby and obviously we don't know how they've got on there but Liverpool are in a mess it's, it's I think it's a weird time for both teams to play each other because I think any of the time I think Newcastle fans would be up for it Newcastle's team would be up for it their manager would be up for it I think privately they are but there's that little thing that little that game after the Man United game and I think private, I think whether they're going to admit in the press well obviously they're not but that is the game that everybody's thinking about and I think that's why Liverpool think it'll be a great time to play Newcastle but Newcastle think well they're the only team that beating us this season it's a really really interesting one but I think if Newcastle don't lose to Liverpool regardless of the other results that happen throughout that weekend I think it's a good weekend Ramsey considering the circumstances and then when Manchester United go, goes out of the way regardless if we win or lose then the focus is just Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, the the way you frame it there, it really does make Liverpool sounds like such a massive game, and it is. Um, you, you also you alluded to something interesting there about what you think the Newcastle players subconsciously might be a bit distracted by the cup final, and yeah, I did think that as well um, during the Bournemouth game. I mean, like even the fans are singing about Wembley, which is great, but it's that's the game everyone is. I mean, even even Lee, God bless him, it is it is a video at, outside Bournemouth Stadium. You could tell he was he was just excited for the Carabao Cup final. He didn't r- really want to be there one with away. I mean, who could blame him? God, it's a, it's a sounds like an awful trip. <laughs> but yeah, um, what was your question? Liverpool, Liverpool home be a massive game. Yeah, I think just keep them at bay. All right, keep them at bay. Don't obviously don't lose the game. Don't let them gain any ground on us. And yeah, a draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world. But. You know, ideally, we, we would be going for the win because Liverpool, I, I know I just talked them up there, but on the road, they are a mess. Right now, they are a mess. And this is the perfect time for us to play them. Um, but then again, saying that, they could win 4-0 tomorrow on Monday night. And then then they're the ones with their with their tails up and confidence back in their sails. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Yeah, it is. It is, um, it is interesting. I think, look, let's be honest. Um <sighs> I don't know. I, I just I think it's I think it's I think it's weird because it's a massive game in terms of the top four because I think if Newcastle can beat Liverpool, say let's say Liverpool beat Everton on Monday night and they're nine points behind, but they played the same amount. They played they played, they, they played one game less than us. If they if we were to win, we'd be twelve points clear, and they've only got one game in hand. Liverpool can't get that run of results at the minute, but again. You, there's always part of me thinking, well, Van Dijk's back. Salah gets a couple of goals in a row. Maybe there's a bit of momentum, but they don't. Sh- they're not showing that, of course, at the minute. Um, when you look at the game on Saturday, who would you say, or where would you play? Sorry, Anthony Gordon, because Merseyside lad, he's probably going to start. He's, because Newcastle, I think I think Newcastle will go probably go four three three unless unless there's another injury midfield. 
Um, and I think he, I think he does, I think he does start Anthony Gordon, in my in my personal opinion. Where where do you think Anthony Gordon's best position is? You've watched a lot of Premier League football, not necessarily just Newcastle, but you have watched a lot of Premier League football around. You're probably in a better position than than me to probably talk about him. Is he better off the left? Is he better in the middle? Can he do a job on the right? What would you say his best position is? <laughs> You're making me out to be some sort of football guru here, Johnny. You do this for a living. You watch Premier League football for a living and talk yeah. about it. I mean, I watched the Everton highlights and match of the day from last season. I wouldn't be sitting down to watch every every 90 minute. But um, yeah, on the left, I suppose, is his natural position. But they always did talk him up, the Everton fans, about him being, a, you know, could do a really good job as a number 10. Um, and we saw, didn't we, with the first touch of the ball last week where he, he slid Callum Wilson through. Um Against West, against yeah West Ham, maybe that could be a thing if we were to play like a four-two-three-one. Or but obviously it will be a four-three-three. So yeah, he will be on the left. But Gordon is an interesting one. Like, is he's clearly got the talent. He's clearly got the the hunger. You know, the freshness. The but I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't thrilled about a signing. Like I remember when Chelsea bid fifty million from last summer, and I thought that was that was crazy because his stats. You're a man for the stats with some maximum. Gordon's stats need massive work. Um, but listen, again, it's, it could be a bit like Almiron, and maybe maybe this is a perfect Eddie Howe player. But um, I do. I, there's there is a freshness about Gordon where he is hungry, isn't he? Every time he's on the pitch, he he, he works his bollocks off. And and again, maybe that's more what Eddie Howe likes than a than a Maxi, who is su- supremely more talented than Gordon. I have to say, he is. Um, and I still think Maxi will come good under Eddie Howe. But listen, Gordon is... The more I thought about it, Gordon is actually a solid a solid reinforcement in January. Like, as Lee always says, he's better than Jacob Murphy and a good bit better. So, but yeah, I would I would say, to answer your question, left, yeah, on the left. On the left is his, is his natural position. So, yeah. I think he could exploit Trent Alexander-Arnold. He did give him a bit of a... I wouldn't say a torrid time in the Merseyside derby. It's a... At Anfield last year, but there was certainly a moment. I don't know if it was actually was it Trent or James Milner. Part of me thinks it was James Milner because I think there was a penalty appeal that Everton didn't get last season. Um, so, but, so forgive me if it was it, whoever it, it wasn't, but I, I can remember him having a, a good game. But he is fresh, Ramsey. He is fresh. He's 21 years old. He's got a point to prove a little bit because Newcastle fans haven't been weren't wowed. I think they were kind of happy in a way that they've got they've got they've, they've gone and got a player from an, a rival club who. Are struggling and Newcastle fans don't really like Everton at the minute. And you know, I think it's probably just, it's just a little, a little uh, Mickey take. But it, it will be interesting to see how how we get on. But you've all, you've you've always said that you'd have liked a Wilfred Zaha at Newcastle, someone that would get you off the edge of the seat. But I think Newcastle are after the younger players now. I think they're after that that twenty one maybe to twenty four age model uh, at, at the club. Do you, do you think that if Newcastle do get Champions League football? They could attract an unbelievable type of player, maybe not an Anthony Gordon type of player who's potential, but actually the ready-made twenty-one to twenty-four-year-old. If if I always used to mirror this on Man City, I would always look because they were the, the other massive takeover. Hopefully, we don't actually um, mirror ourselves on what Man City did. Hopefully, hopefully we go down a, a slightly uh, you know uh, you know more transparent route, maybe. But I look back at them at the start, and they were signing. Funnily enough. Craig Bellamy, who is obviously was a striker, but I think a lot of people have compared Gordon to Bellamy in terms of the in terms of the you know he's a shit house, but he's our shit house. It was that sort of player, Craig Bellamy, Adam Johnson. You know, I know his name's Mud, but it was it was it was the Premier League proven 
mid-table players Man City were buying. And then once they got the Champions League football, suddenly it was the Aya Torres and the David Silvas. I'm not saying we're going to do that because with Man City, they also did chuck in Rabinho, a statement signing. And we haven't really done that. You could argue maybe Bruno, but I wouldn't. I, no, Rabinho oh, was a real Botman, yeah, but Rubinho was a world star, wasn't he? He was, you know, supposed to be the next Pele. Again, no, I would class these all in the same tier of sensible, top quality signings. Like these, these players weren't being, you know, I mean, Isaac was linked with with the big boys after Euro twenty twenty, but but not after last season. So no, I I don't think we have made that big, marquee, huge monster signing, and. I think the way we're doing things, I, I, I'm changing my mind. I don't think we will actually once if if we get Champions League because Eddie Howe wants the right characters. He said that time and time again. He doesn't want any dickheads in his squad. And it's hard to find <laughs> monster, elite, huge ego players and, and you know, have them be the right type of mentality to graft. I mean, like, for instance, the name is coming to my mind is Clinton Ford on this channel said last time he wanted Neymar. Now, that would be the Rubinho type signing. But again... Eddie Howe, even if he was given the means to, he's never going to bring in a superstar like that, I don't think, into this squad. So, to be honest, I think it would be more Brunos and Isaacs and Trippiers, who, again, are in that top quality bracket, but they're not these insane Yaya Torre, David Silva sort of, you know, ridiculous Man City transfers. Or at least I don't think so. I don't know. You might, you might think different. You might think they already are ma- massive Torre-esque signings. Do you or, or not? Um, I think Bruno's turned out to be. Bruno's turned out to be. Botman, I've been really, really impressed with Sven Botman. I think the partnership with Fabian Scher has been immense. I think Scher probably deserves a bit more credit, if I'm honest. Um, Isaac remains to be seen, but he has a lot of good people saying that he's a very, very good player. And you look at the numbers side of things, he's probably got a better record than Alisson Maximum this season, which is, I know, not, you, not what you want to hear. Um, it is an interesting one. I, th- I think Newcastle's tactics change if they, if they get the Champions League. I think you will see more familiar names. Oh, that's a good sign. Oh, I like that. But it, it, it will be interesting. Just finally on the top four before we move on. Is this Newcastle's best chance to make the top four? Now, I know there'll be money spent throughout the summer, the next January window. But with Chelsea not firing, but they've spent about a billion quid. Liverpool aren't going to be as bad. You've got the top three above Newcastle now who are going to be, if not better. And Spurs, we don't know. Uh, Spurs are the one I'm kind of not too worried about. I've got a little funny saying. Spurs are just being Spursy. That's what they are. They'll beat Man City, but they'll lose to Leicester. They'll get battered by Leicester. So I'm kind of not looking at Spurs in that sort of category, but that's still one, two, five. That's five teams plus Newcastle. So there's potentially six teams next season. Newcastle really have to take advantage of this because I don't think they're going to get a better chance, Ramsey. What do you think? This is, yeah, like you say, it's again, it does remind me of the last time. Um, because Chelsea, in like in 2012, we finished fifth because Chelsea were uncharacteristically terrible in the league that year. I don't know if you remember, I think they had VS Boas and he got sacked halfway through and they just concentrated on the Champions League and they ended up finishing behind us in sixth, I think, didn't they? And I can't remember, I think, I think a couple more teams might be off the boil that season and it sort of opened up for us. Um, and then we obviously tailed off with injuries and stuff in the second half of the season. So it is a bit like that in terms of we've been we've been so lucky that Liverpool and Chelsea have both been pretty awful. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a huge chance, man. Like 
it's yeah it's we do you know what it is i don't want to say we have to get the top four this season because we do have it is i expect us to be competing for the top four over the next 10 years and it's only we're only going to get stronger and stronger and stronger like we've got the takeover it's not like back in the days of mike ashley when it was a fluke back in 2012 i was sweating on that top four race i was like please god let us fluke our way in a bit like leicester a few years later like it was kind of now or never sort of thing so now this isn't now or never like yeah like really we could very well finish fifth or sixth now and we might not get into the champions league for the next five years that could realistically happen because it is so tight up there um but we will get in we will get in one day so i have hope i didn't this have season? Hope. say it again this season do you do i think we'll do it this season yeah I've been afraid to sort of say that out loud all year because you know yourself, like I don't want to build the hopes up to only to be heartbroken. Like I'm, I'm going to say now I said fifth at the start of the season and I was actually called crazy on the channel for saying so. Um, and I'm going to stick with fifth. I, I think we will be caught and I don't actually think it'll be taught. I, I do think Liverpool will get their act together and, and blow. Yeah. I think they'll sneak in in May a bit like how they did over lockdown. I, honestly, I think I think it could be Liverpool. That's my that's my shout. I, I I think I think we will finish in the top four, but I think it'll be just just. I I, I think it will it could go down to the last two or three games, but I think Newcastle just have enough in them. I think if they can get their goal scoring act back together, which I think they can. And I, the thing is, I think I think the biggest factor, Ramsey, why I think we will. No one can beat us at St James's. No one can beat us at St James's at the minute. Like. We've seen Man City come to St. James's. We've seen Chelsea come to St. James's. And, you know, Man City played us a really good game. And probably on another day, if Haaland took two or three more of his chances, you know, and Nick Pope didn't have such a good game, maybe it might have been different. But there's not been many teams this season that I think that have really, you really, you've really left the ground going, I thought we were going to lose that game today. Even West Ham, we've drawn against West Ham. I didn't think we were going to, oh, we we're hanging on there. You know, there's, we, we, St. James's Park is such a tough, tough place for our visiting teams. Hundred percent, and uh, Eddie Howe's made the place of fortress. But who is who is the last Premier League team to win at St James's Park? Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool last season. So hopefully you haven't uh, cursed us there, Johnny. <laughs> but, I, don't, uh, I, I don't. I hope. I hope not. But I. I, I just think we haven't been out of the top four since October. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm, yeah. It's been an. It's been an incredible season, and. And God, it, uh, yeah, it's about time we beat Liverpool, isn't it? I mean, it's been it's been a while. I, am I right in saying it was the Steve McLaren season, the last time we beat them in in the Premier League, Liverpool, when yeah. Gina Van Allen scored twice? Like, come on, that's that's nearly eight years. It's time to beat them. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. But you're saying fifth. I'm saying fifth. Yeah, I don't want to be the pessimist here, but yeah, I think I think we'll be, I think we'll be caught. Like we're starting to slow down a stutter now, and there's three months left. Can they come again? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, we'll, I'm see. we'll see. We'll see. Um, this is a, a small game in two weeks' time, Ramsey. We'll know in two weeks' time if Newcastle United have ended their trophy drought or it's still continuing. It's Manchester United. Of course, it's Manchester United at Wembley. I think it's kind of written in the stars that Newcastle were always going to take on a Manchester United because there's that history of the rivalry between the two, the two sides as well. And I think it'd be the sweetest win if Newcastle can end the trophy drought against Manchester United. How do you look at this game? Because Newcastle have got to play one game. Manchester United, before today, well, after Newcastle took on board, they had to play four games. Obviously, they've beaten Leeds United on Sunday. They've got to play Barcelona twice, which is brilliant. 
and Leicester, who are on a bit of a resurgence under Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, he's won the last two against Tottenham and Aston Villa. Big Villa away, tough game, tough game for most sides, and then obviously beating Spurs at home. If Marcus Rashford's fit, I say Manchester United are favourites. If Marcus Rashford picks up an injury in either the Barcelona games or the Leicester game and is out for the cup final, I make Newcastle the slightest favourites. How do you see it? Yeah, it's... As it stands now, I think it is 50-50, honestly. Newcastle, we are steely. The last... This season, like, as we say, like... We have not lost a Premier League match inside 90 minutes, okay? I, I refuse to count the 98th minute Fabio Carvalho, all right? Inside 90 minutes, we're unbeaten. We're the Invincibles. And, yeah, listen, I know Rashford's in red-hot form, but we got Kieran Trippier, man. You know, we got we got Trippier. I, there's 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 few there's fewer more reliable right-backs in the world of football than Kieran Trippier. And and was, did Rashford play in the game at Old Trafford, the nil-nil? I'm trying to remember if he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, yeah. And, and, and we he should have in... scored right at the very end. Actually, he had a header that went wide. He should have scored. And yes. the last pick of the game. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And yeah, listen, Rashford's in freakish form right now. Um, it, it's a bit like Jamie Vardy form when Leicester won the league, isn't he? He's scoring like every game now. Um, but he's one player, and Man United don't want to be playing us in the cup final. And, and the way I see it as well, I I almost view it as Newcastle. We want it more than Man United. We just do. Like half their fans are not bothered about the League Cup final. I know, I know Man United haven't won a trophy since the Mourinho days, but you guys haven't won a trophy in so long, man. And, it, and like you say, it's Man United. You know, the cup villains of the 90s, I mean, doesn't the FA Cup semi-final, they destroyed us in 2005. I remember that. I was, I mean, honestly, Johnny, I grew, up, ugh, I grew up in Ireland where everybody is a Man United fan. Some are Liverpool, some are Celtic, but nearly everyone's Man United. And we got... Imagine being one Newcastle fan in a school where we were losing to Man United 6-0 and 5-1 and getting relegated. Oh, I was bitter. So this is this is my dream final, to beat Man United. This is what I've been waiting for since I was a kid in a final. I we have to we have to do this. We have to. This is this is everything to me. It is. And I know it is to you as well and everyone else. It's I just think we're going to want it more than them. I, I really do. Yeah. We just are Dan Burnish Sean Longstaff like the only the only worry I would have is that the I just hope the occasion doesn't get to them because it is because maybe 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 the Man United players again like I they won't be as bothered <laughs> as the Newcastle this is you know this is this is a pinnacle for for the Geordies so what was your question <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten it now I've forgotten it but we'll, I was talking about Marcus Rashford and saying was he the favourite if, if he plays it on, on Man United phase and he's basically a 50-50 game which kind of I agree with I think Man United the minute caught the most bootmakers are very very slight favourites which is understandable I suppose they're kind of used to this big like the cup final occasion or they are considering Newcastle's woeful record but from before we talk from the Newcastle side of things is Casemiro such a massive player for Manchester United and can Newcastle? How can Newcastle stop Casemiro from dictating how how this game uh, plays out? Yeah, Casemiro is, but I mean, we've got we've got Bruno and Gillette, we got our Samba boys as well. Like, it is kind of funny though how Casemiro got sent off and Bruno got sent off pretty much around the same time. It's almost like they want they both wanted to be fresh and and firing for the final against each other. But yeah, Casemiro Casemiro's done a lot better than I thought he would. To, to be fair, I thought he was one of these you know Bastian Schweinsteiger over the hill. 
expense of Man United signings. Uh, that wouldn't work out. And he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could list a bunch of a bunch of class Man United, Man United players. It's it's about it's about the team. And I think over the course of the season, we have been more solid, hundred percent, than Man United. They they were all over the place at the start of the season, losing to Brighton at home and getting smashed off Brentford. So I would think that we are more of a coherent, fluid. I know Man United are in good form, but over the course of, I think we've been a more coherent team for longer. Um, but yeah, as for Casemiro, like we've got Bruno. I'm not worried. I'm not worried, Johnny. Yeah, we've got the best Brazilian anyway. It doesn't matter. You can even throw Fred into the ring. We've still got the best Brazilian. <laughs> or Anthony, whoever you want to put in there. Um, let's talk about the Newcastle side of things in terms of this cup final. And it's it's an interesting one. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm trying to work out an 11. I think obviously the goalkeeper in the back four pick themselves, let's be honest. So obviously Pope, Trippier, Cher, Botman, Dern. I think as long as they don't get injured, that's the back five sorted with both Nick Pope and goal. Bruno starts. Not sure Longstaff starts. I don't think that's a debate. Miguel Miron starts. Says eight. Joe Willicks, the injury concern. Callum Wilson, the injury concern. And where do you play Joe Linton? Because he starts, but does he start on the left or does he start in midfield? Because Joe Linton on the left, I think, can cause Manchester... I think we'll do a job on that right-hand side against Manchester United. So my question is, Ramsey, do you agree with what I'm kind of going with? And can you fill in the missing pieces, if you like? So you want to put Joe Linton in the front three, is it? Is that, is that, where, you, that where you're going to put him? I think Eddie Howe puts Joe Linton on the left. I think Eddie Howe puts Joe Linton on the left, Miggy on the right. I think he goes Callum Wilson, if fit. And, and, and I think midfield, <sighs> Bruno, of course, Sean Long, it just depends on Joe Willock. Because if Joe Willock's not fit, then you have to probably start some maximum on the left, which is a gamble if you're Eddie Howe. Or do you switch it all together and go 4-2-3-1 and put do you put Bruno a little bit more advanced and put Gillington and Sean as a two and put Bruno just a little bit in front and then have uh, ASM, Miggy and Wilson. Fill in, the, fill in the pieces and give me your starting 11 for the cup final, considering okay. what we've been talking about. Okay, so yeah, again, obviously obviously the back four and Paul picks, picks itself. Midfield, yeah, obviously Longstaff, Bruno, and I would say Joe Linton, because I did allude to earlier last season, Joe Linton in the middle against Manchester United on Boxing Day, absolutely bossed it. And I love him in the middle, honestly, I do. So I, that would be my midfield three, um, especially if Willick's an injury doubt. Like, yeah, he might be fit then, but, you know, you know, I, I, even if he is fit, that's my midfield three. And then the front three... Yep, Callum Wilson, if he's fit up front, of course. He's, it would just be a gamble to go with Isaac up front, considering he's, you know. Um, Maxi on the left. It's a cup final. You need Mavericks in a cup final, Johnny. And I think I think, I think think back him to step up in a big game, take the take the responsibility on, and I think he could surprise you. I think he could be class, and I think he could be, could be the difference maker. Like, cup final's all about that. You need that extra bit of quality. Um, so yeah, Miggy, 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 Miggy on the right, Maxi on the left, and Wilson up front. That would be, yeah, Gordon and Isaac and Willock on the bench. Well, Gordon's cup tied, so he can't play. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah, he is. So, yeah, so, so Isaac will be on the Isaac will be on the bench. It'd be a great option to come off the bench. And you, but to be honest, the bench isn't the strongest. 
Who is isn't the strongest? Newcastle. So even Man United isn't the strongest of the strongest, if we're being honest. But I, I just think that you look at Man United in terms of playing Barcelona and they'll play Martinez and they'll play Varane. So I'm thinking Lindelof and Maguire will come in or maybe both. I think, I just think it's such an interesting one. I think the fact that they've got Barcelona, you know, let's be honest, by the time they finish, it'll be around about 10 o'clock, less it goes to extra time. So let's, we'll say 10 o'clock, 24, 48 hours, another 12, so that's about 60. In 64 hours or 66 hours, they're playing another game. That's a lot to take in. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that actually that the Barcelona games were that were that close, and that is a huge. But oh, you're getting me excited now, Johnny. The more I think about that, that's that is really good for us. Um, but you think you think it'll be Lindelof and Maguire in the cup final? Is that what you're saying? No, on the or on the benches? No, surely not starting together. Surely. Not. I, 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 my, my theory is, if I'm Eric Ten Hag, Barcelona over two legs for Manchester United is a bigger game than Newcastle in the League Cup final. I don't know if you agree with that, but I just think Manchester United generally will think that. I think Manchester United are such a interesting set of uh, supporters and a team that they will look at the Europa League and the League Cup as inferior competitions. So, but then again... Then again, this could be a new mentality under, under Ten Hag. And maybe it's been so long because Man United have won anything themselves. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know which they will target as more important. Surely, I'm, League, you would think a final, right? It's win that and you've won a trophy. You've got the monkey off your back. And you, Ten Hag's won a trophy in his debut season. You would think, but yeah, I don't know. I, I can't see them starting Harry Maguire or Linda. No, no, but so I don't know because Barcelona game is so. Is so I'm not sure which they'll prioritize, to be honest. I don't know. It's, it's such a difficult one. But um, look, I want to talk about the fans. And obviously, you're not originally from Newcastle. Obviously, everybody knows you're from Ireland. And... I'll give that away. I know. I know. I know. Just something in the voice, I think. But uh, <laughs> Trafalgar Square the night before, fans will be smiling, celebrating before balls even kicked at, at, at Wembley the, on the day after. But you know, this isn't. A Johnston's paint trophy. This isn't. It's a domestic cup. Let's be honest. Let's, let's put it out there. And Newcastle have been starved of this. Everybody's beaten the new Wembley properly. Newcastle are one of eight teams at the minute that haven't experienced this, and are arguably the biggest team not to have experienced this out of those eight teams left. So you talk about the occasion, but from the fan side of things, is it the best occasion? That they can in recent years, and have you have you let yourself think about that moment if the, when the final whistle goes and it's Newcastle United that are celebrating? Be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be incredible. I haven't actually let myself think about that in the same way I haven't thought about Champions League nights next season because you just can't go there because it just seems still to be so unreal. I mean, it was only la- it was only last season we were on a and a winless run of games under Steve Bruce. So to even Newcastle fans under Mike Ashley, we we never dreamed of cup finals or winning anything because we were always out in the third round. So it's still you you must feel the same. It's it's tough to get your head around it, really. That this is actually yeah. happening. Yeah, you like me and you both live in the area. It's the only thing that anybody can talk about in work, in the office, or 
you know, the, the paper, the, the, whoever does the paper, the paper boy or girl, the milkman, the, you know, the builder, the teacher, the doctors. It's the only thing that people will talk about. They're not talking about Liverpool at St. James's Park in the Premier League. And this is Liverpool, one of the biggest, if not the biggest clubs in England. Let's be honest, it's a massive game. But just like when you go to Wembley, oh, I'm going the Friday, oh, I'm going the Saturday, oh, I haven't told the missus when I'm going yet because I don't want to find out or whatever. I just think there's a moment in me that thinks Jamal Lascelles could be lifting a trophy for Newcastle. He could be the man that lifts a trophy for Newcastle. And it, I, I, it was, I got a bit scared the other day. I was in the, I was in the shower. And I thought, shit, it's two weeks. It's yeah. two weeks. I'll be in. I'll be in. I'll be in London. And I think it'll just fly by as well. I'm thinking, oh my god, this is actually going. This is getting really, really interesting now. We're an international break away from a cup final, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So. I, 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 I think there's so many different emotions, isn't there? I think that's what I'm trying to put across. There's so many different emotions, but it's still, it feels a bit weird. It's, that's, the, that's the general feeling. It's just a bit weird, but I can't wait at the same time. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, that's a good way of describing it. It's scary. It is because, yeah, it just... It, this has felt so far away from from ever happening to Newcastle under the days of Ashley and Bruce and all that. So the fact that it's finally arrived and we haven't really... So I I don't think Newcastle fans would ever feel ready and prepared for a cup final after 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 just misery for so many years. But yeah, I, I can't wait. It's, it's, it's scary, yeah, but it's also so exciting as well. It's, it's a cup final against Manchester United. Just imagine. Imagine if we win that game. It just... I'd love it if we beat them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get get Kevin Keegan a ticket. Get him inside that stadium. But yeah, no, yeah. it's 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 yeah, it's just it's just unreal. Just just so surreal, so surreal. But yeah, no, nobody can wait. Honestly, the whole I think the whole city would burst if we win against them. It really would. Yeah. Do do, do I think the question is, and the only question I haven't asked you about this: who wins? Yeah, Newcastle. Newcastle win. Come on, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and say Manchester United. No, Newcastle. But again, like I said earlier, I haven't. I haven't sort of. I've been trying not to think about the outcome because, yeah, like it's such a mammoth game. But yeah, Newcastle. I think we'll want it more than them. Could you imagine a last-minute winner against Man United at Wembley? Oh, Sam Maximin from thirty yards. <laughs> I've got a little theory. Actually, I think it'll be Sean Longstaff. So, oh, well, I mean, that's got a little thing. If you could pick any fairy tale player to score the winner, it would either be him or Dan Byrne. So, yeah, it, I mean, Dan Byrne Rocket. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, if there's any way to win it, it's Dan Byrne from 30 yards and off the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, it'd be an, an amazing occasion. And best of luck to everybody in the ballot on Tuesday or in the ballot as well, Ramsey, aren't yep. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Valentine's yeah. Day. I know you've got. I know you've got a girlfriend as well. Does Does Valentine's Day a good Valentine's Day in terms of taking your your lovely lady out for maybe a bite a bite to eat, a few drinks, maybe even some flowers? Yep. Does that depend on whether you get a ticket in the ballot or not? Uh, <laughs> uh, nah, she'll want to go out anyway. I know her. <laughs> She's actually sitting on the other side of this computer. So I thought you were going to ask which, which better, Newcastle winning or having a nice Valentine's Day. I thought you were going to thought you were going to shove me in the mud there, Johnny. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. 
Yeah. <laughs> Was that your girlfriend in the background? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> For people that can't hear on the podcast, I should just say, well, I think I think Ramsey's girlfriend's in, in the same room as I'm doing his recording. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure she'll, I'm sure she'll have a lovely day on Tuesday. I'm sure Ramsey will treat her very nicely and give her the best best bouquet of flowers a man can find. I'm sure that's the case. But yeah, look, it's 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 going to be fascinating to see what happens. Uh, I, I think actually, I want to quickly ask you your your your, um, your feelings around this. The ballot itself and the way that the tickets are being distributed, is it the fairest way? Or do you think there should have, or there could have been a fairer way? Or do you think that the club were never going to win whatever they did? Yeah, that's the only drawback, is the politics of it. And I, what do you think? I'm going to ask you, Johnny, what do you think? Because, you know, you go to as a lot of away games, obviously season take holder yourself. What what do you think? Because I I haven't really looked too much into the whole politics of the ballot system in terms of season ticket holders and stuff. Is it fair? Do you think? I don't think it was ever going to be a fair way. I don't think you could have made every single Newcastle fan happy. But my theory is, and rightly or wrongly, you can shoot me in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or you can tell us in the feedback if you're listening on the podcast. My theory is season ticket holders should be guaranteed a ticket regardless. If there's enough season ticket holders to match the allocation, they should have priority, regardless if they've been to a cup game or not. Because they've been to the games under Steve Bruce, under Rafa Benitez, where it's not been great at times, under Steve McLeod. I know there were season ticket holders that were season ticket holders for such a long time and decided to give it up because they were sick and tired of it. I understand that. But that is what you signed up for. You knew that was going to happen. If there was something on the, over the horizon, that's what you had to sign up for. So I understand that. But I think every season ticket holder should have been guaranteed a ticket. If if there was, say, 32,000 season ticket holders at Newcastle and there was 32,000 tickets, every season ticket holder should have had the option, in my opinion, to go, I want a ticket. Imagine, imagine, who, imagine, who, imagine what season ticket holders would say. No, <laughs> they're given the option to say no. But, like, no but the, the, there might be some people that can't get to London or find it extremely difficult to get to London for all sorts of reasons, you know, financially or you know, maybe stiff, like like diff, difficult circumstances. There might have been a very very small selection, and then I think after that, you go, every single fan gets put into a ballot and whatever remaining tickets they are, whether you're just probably just members, if I'm being honest, members with a previous history of being at a Newcastle game, get put into a ballot and it's best of luck to every man, woman, dog, everybody. I think that was the way I would have personally done it. But again, that's just one person's opinion. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, Ramsey, but that would, that would be the way I'd do it. Ah, yeah, no, that that's that sounds fair. That does sound fair. Um, I'm just still kicking myself because I I, I did have the season ticket for a few years. Uh, like you said, when you listen to you know Benitez Bruce days, I I was I was there for that. But yeah, over lockdown, I just ah uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think because I've been away from the stadium for so long, and you know things didn't look like they're getting any better under Bruce. But it's funny though because you did tell me. I think September 2021, you were like, you know, you can still go down and get a season. You should probably go do that. I was like, ah, I don't know. And then the takeover happens the next month. <laughs> so 
I, 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 I always thought that Newcastle were going to get taken over. Did I think it'd be the wealth, one of the wealthiest consortiums in the world? No, I didn't. But I knew that, that it would be better. And it didn't matter who was taking over Newcastle, but it was more about my actually take, being, uh, leaving Newcastle. That was the biggest thing. But um, look, the ballot will always, it'll always be interesting to see what happens. Um, there'll be people whinging, people saying X, Y, and Z. But honestly, best, literally best to look up to everybody on this ballot on the 14th because it is... <laughs> It is going to be absolutely horrendous because I don't know how many tickets. I think it's roughly around two and a half, three thousand tickets that are up for grabs. There's probably around twenty-five thousand people after tickets that haven't got a ticket yet. But look, it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous occasion. We're all going to agree. If we see Newcastle United lift a trophy, it doesn't matter what happens because no one will be talking about ballots when Newcastle if, New, if Newcastle lift the trophy at the uh, at the end of uh, February the twenty-sixth at around about seven o'clock, half six, seven o'clock on air. Uh, that Sunday evening. Um, last final couple of questions for you then, Ramsey. It's uh, it's been interesting this season. You said Newcastle are going to finish fifth, just just missing out on Champions League football. You think you think they're going to win the Carabao Cup? I would have killed you if you didn't say that. Yeah. Um, two questions. The first one: Who is your player of the season and why? It's a tricky one, you know, because so many of them have been unbelievable. Um, loads of honourable mentions but who's the one standout for you at the minute because it's his debut season I'm going to go Sven Bartman I've been, I, I've been very impressed ridiculously impressed by him but then again it's hard to narrow it down Johnny because they've all been brilliant Nick Pope's had a great debut season Fabian Schaar doesn't get uh, like you said uh, enough credit like again he is an invincible centre half in the Premier League this season and he was someone who was on Steve Bruce's bench. Dan Byrne has been absolutely amazing as well. Um, when no one really thought he'd be playing left back for us. We thought he'd be a, well, a third choice center half. But no, I'll go for Botman because it is his debut season. And because it's so nice to have an actually rock solid, beautiful on the ball center back for Newcastle. Considering we've had such center half nightmares over the years. The boom songs, the brambles. So it's nice to see a centre-back signing actually work, isn't it? It's mental. It is mental, to be fair. Like, but hopefully, hopefully, it's, oh, it's, it's just amazing seeing everybody doing pretty well, let's be honest. Um, final question. You've said Sven Botman is player of the season. This, is, this one's about Eddie Howe. If Mikel Arteta doesn't win, if Mikel Arteta wins the league with Arsenal, but Eddie Howe gets Newcastle to the top four, does he deserve manager of the season, regardless if we win the Carabao Cup? Yeah, that's funny. This actually is not, is not the first time I've had this debate. Uh, no, Eddie Howe. If Eddie Howe gets Newcastle into the top four, I don't care if Arteta wins the Premier League. Great achievement. But no, Eddie Howe has to be manager of the year. He has to be. Like, like uh, last look at the team he took over last season, who couldn't win a match until, what, December? And he's got us... Not only playing beautiful football and, and comfy staying up in midday, it top if he gets us in the Champions League, it's ridiculous achievement. I think that is I think taking Newcastle from where they were when he took over to into the top four is better than Arteta taking Arsenal from what fifth last season to first, which will be an unbelievable achievement if he does do it. Don't think he will, by the way. I think I think uh, Arsenal are slipping up already. But yeah, no, Eddie Howe for me is nailed on manager. Even to be honest, even if Newcastle finish fifth, like I think they will. 
and Arsenal finish second, like I think they will, I would still give it to Eddie Howe. I really would. But maybe I'm biased. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but you've never been biased in your life. Never. I'm not having it. Um, Ramsey's been an absolute pleasure talking to you for the last hour or so about all things Newcastle United. And it's such a good time to talk about Newcastle United because on the last two occasions you've been here, it's just not been as positive, but we've enjoyed the show anyway. Um, what have you got coming up on the uh, on the Irish Guy YouTube channel? What, what have you got to get your subscribers looking forward to and your new subscribers? Because you, you have an army of subscribers, but I'm sure the army will keep on growing. Uh, just same old bollocks, really. But um, <laughs> no, um, the skids are coming back as well. I took a bit of a break over Christmas. I love the skids. Uh, honestly, it just gives me a chance to be absolutely insane. Um, so yeah, more of those. But but yeah, other than that, yeah, more 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 crazy skits, more and just me talking rubbish every day. Yeah, <laughs> rubbish. Who knows? We've had so many opinions from you over the years in regards to Newcastle. Some on the money, some a little bit off the money. But we'll we'll see what happens. But look. I hope to see you in Wembley Stadium in a couple of weeks' time. Best of luck to you in the ballot. Hope you hope you get a bit of luck on your side and hopefully everything's fingers crossed for you as well. But yeah, this is the end of the Green and Mullen show. Sam will be back next week, I promise you. If you're sick of me, I'm so sorry, but Mr. Mullen will be back next week. He's got a bit of a chest infection, so please, you know, say some lovely things in the comments as well. He's feeling a bit sorry for himself, but you, you've got to knock him down a peg or two sometimes. But he, he will be involved from next week in regards to this show. And look, the shows will keep on coming. We've got a Carabao Cup final special in a couple of weeks' time as well. If you want to listen to all the podcasts that we've done so far, we've had the likes of Norberto Solano, Les Ferdinand, Isaac Hayden. Uh, we've probably had a lot more that Sam probably will tell me off for because I can't think off the top of my head. There's just a few. Warren Barton off the top of my head off, uh, in terms of former Newcastle players, but Robson Green. There you go. You've got loads and you've got the Irish guy as well for that lovely mix incredible incredible stuff but yeah make sure you put your comments in what did you like what did you not like about irish guys opinions on you we're not going to finish in the top four what are you talking about man (laughs) sorry johnny (laughs) i thought this was a nice stream don't don't send them after me now johnny (laughs) all the links to our podcast will be in the description if you're watching this on youtube but it'll also be on the podcast itself so make sure you subscribe to all of us spotify itunes who knows? It's normally Sam that does that bit, so I'm kind of blagging it at this point. But this is the bit I do say. Thank you so much, Irish guy. It's been an absolute pleasure. From myself, Jonathan Greenwood, and the Irish guy himself, Michael Ramsey, we will see you all very soon.